The reading this evening is from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38, and that can be found on page 1012 of the Church Bibles. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray as we uh, come to God's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for grace, uh, grace that has saved us, uh, and your grace in giving us your word, uh, that we can learn more about you, learn more about uh, what it is to live a life for you. Pray that you would be with us this evening, uh, that you would uh, challenge us, that you would encourage us, uh, and that you would teach us. Uh, would your spirit be at work in our hearts uh, and changing us to be more like yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I wonder if you're a follower or uh, a leader. There are some people who prefer to be uh, at the front, uh, as others like to know that someone else uh, is in charge. Uh, I was on holiday earlier uh, this month, and we went hiking. Normally in that situation, I'm the one who ends up with the map at the front, uh, leading the way. But on this occasion, uh, my friend actually knew the area a lot better than I did, and so she took the lead. And actually, it turned out to be quite nice. Uh, to not have to worry about it, uh, and to follow it. Well, whichever side you come down on, uh, we actually end up think, uh, following more often than we think. Whether we find our favourite sitcom characters' catchphrase slipping into our speech, or uh, end up buying uh, clothes in a similar style but, uh, to our friendship group, we do these following things uh, subconsciously, in some way, we seem to be follow- uh, wired to follow. And I guess less subtly, uh, we look to people to follow them, whether it's politicians or YouTubers, uh, your boss. We look to lots of different people to follow them. And there's lots of uh, different ways to follow someone. And I don't mean just on Twitter or Instagram. For instance, uh, I follow the Manchester United football team. Uh, I keep an eye on their scores. I watch a few of their big matches. Maybe read the occasional article on BBC Sport. But then, I'm sure you all know, uh, football fans on a whole other level for that. Uh, on the other hand, we might follow someone in the hopes of, uh, that what they have might rub up on us. Whether it's a, a celebrity uh, like Ariana Grande hoping that we might get some of her popularity. A business leader uh, trying to find some tips to get lots of money. Well, the question that Jesus uh, is addressing here in Mark is 
How do we follow Jesus? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a Christian? Is following Jesus the path to health, wealth and success? Is it just a hobby for your spare time? Is it a private thing? Something not to be distracted uh, by when you're with other people uh, at work? For the last few weeks we've been with Jesus on the road. He's been talking to his disciples about what people think about him. Which is always an awkward conversation, I guess. But we saw Peter blurt out that amazing declaration. You are the Christ. And so Jesus went on to explain what that actually means. So if you look down at verse 31 of chapter 8, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Now, unfortunately, that didn't really fit with what Peter and the other disciples were expecting for Jesus or for themselves. You see, they were, they were hoping for uh, the Messiah, the Christ, to come uh, to defeat the Romans a glorious victory. But I don't think anyone would be particularly happy if their friend told them that they were going to be killed. So verse 32, Peter took Jesus aside and started to rebuke him. Well, Peter might not be happy with it, but Jesus knows what must happen. He won't be distracted from his task. And so he gives Peter a good telling off. That's what we saw uh, last week. But Peter isn't the only one uh, who hasn't understood properly. Jesus is the Christ that everyone has been waiting for. But he's, he's not the Christ that they're expecting. He needs to correct their thinking, reset their expectations. And so here he, he calls the crowd together to address this topic what does it look like to follow him? And we're going to look at uh, this in three parts. Um, the call, take up your cross, uh, the reason to gain life, and the warning, don't be ashamed. So to start with, the call, take up your cross. Uh, look down again at verse 34. Then he called the disciples to him, the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I guess if you've been uh, around church for a while, those will be uh, familiar words. They can lose their impact after a bit. But just imagine hearing those words from Jesus' lips for the first time. Your friend, teacher, leader has just told you that he's going to suffer and die. And then he says that to follow him, to be a disciple, you must take up a cross. Take up a cross. The only people who carry crosses are condemned criminals. People walking to their execution. So this isn't Jesus uh, saying that following him might be 
hard work some of the time, that you might have a few burdens to carry. A cross is not just a heavy piece of wood. It's an instrument of capital punishment. This is Jesus saying, if you follow me, you are walking towards death. It's not a textbook recruitment drive, is it? But actually, if you think about it, I suppose it's not that surprising. After all, if you follow someone, you should probably expect to end up in the same place as they're going. That's kind of what following is. If Jesus is going to suffer and die, then his followers should expect the same. Now, most of us are unlikely to have to physically walk to our deaths for following Jesus, as Peter and uh, most of the other disciples ended up doing, as many people around the world continue to do today. But that doesn't mean that we get off lightly. Jesus is calling us to have the same attitude as those heading towards their death. We're to count Jesus as more important than money, success, relationships, reputation, career, family, anything. This means being willing to give up, uh, to sacrifice all of those things to keep following him. Now, we might not have to give them up. Some of us will have to give up more than others. But we must be willing to lose everything. How, how do we do that? How do we take up our cross? Well, Jesus says, if you come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. We have to deny ourselves. See, there's a, there's a part of us that uh, sees the cross and recoils. It runs away from the shame and the suffering. It, it values uh, human improving, approval, uh, a comfortable life, uh, more than it values Jesus. That, that's what we have to deny to take up our cross. We have to say no to that old self and say that something else, someone else, has our affections now. So when there's a part of us that uh, wants to join in with drinking too much so that you can look cool uh, with your new uni friends, we, we say no. I'm willing to give up uh, the approval of others and take the shame. When we want to upgrade to a new shiny car, uh, rather than uh, give a bit extra to mission work, we say no. I'm willing to give up comfort for God's work. And this is not a path that we can follow partly or half-heartedly. Uh, my attitude towards uh, following football doesn't work here. Denying yourself and taking up your cross means leaving your old life behind and committing fully to Jesus' call. It's not a path that you can wander off wherever you like, testing the waters of other options. It's not a path that you can follow just on Sundays or when you're around Christian friends. 
as I've been uh, thinking about this, I've had to ask myself, what uh, is the thing that I would find hardest to give up if I had to keep following Jesus? I wonder what it is for you. What is the thing that you would find hardest to give up if you had to keep, if you had to, to keep following Jesus? We should pray that the Holy Spirit in us would help us to loosen our grip on whatever that thing is and to come closer to Jesus. Well, uh, that's the, the call. Jesus says, take up your cross. But why would anyone want to answer that call? It doesn't sound very attractive on its own. Well, Jesus gives uh, the reasons in verse uh, 35 to 37. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? All that uh, saving and losing might sound a bit confusing at at first glance, uh, but if we break it down, uh, it does become clear. And I'm quite logical, so tables help me to understand. Um, There are two choices for now, and there are two results in the future. One choice is to save your life now. That is to uh, reject Jesus' call, to hold on to what you have, in this world, to try and avoid heading towards that cross. But what does that lead to in the future? It leads to missing out on life forever. On the other hand, answering that call, following Jesus, even if it means giving up everything, even your life, then, Jesus says, you will save your life You will share in the resurrection and you will enjoy life forever. I guess all of us dream of being rich and famous occasionally. Wouldn't it be nice if I had uh, that new piece of technology, whatever it is? So it's always striking when a celebrity uh, says that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. I don't know if you remember uh, Russell Brand. Uh, He started as a comedian in the early 2000s. He's done all sorts of other things. Um, A bit controversial at times, but he said this in an interview a few years ago. I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to have money. It would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It ain't worth it. It's not good. It doesn't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. This guy had everything that he could want. I suspect that he tried just about everything that the world has to offer. But it hasn't helped him. Jesus said, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? See, gaining the whole world doesn't change at that table. There is only one way to ultimately save your life, 
Anything else that we chase after just leads to death. There is no price that can buy this salvation. Verse 37, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing is the answer. We have nothing to offer, even if we have everything. And it's seeing this that lets us deny ourselves. Because we can look at what we're being asked to give up for Jesus and see that it really is worth nothing. And we can look at what we gain by trusting that Jesus' call is good and see that that is worth everything. So if uh, you're holding back from following Jesus with your whole life instead of just on Sundays, or if something is pulling you in a different direction, whether that's advancing in your career, a non-Christian girlfriend or boyfriend, the dream of buying a house, or if you're uh, wavering over the decision of whether to follow Jesus at all. Just look at what is on offer. Yes, Jesus' call is a, a radical one, which requires some hard changes, but the results are far, far better than anything else, anything which offers much now, but won't deliver. So, uh, the call, take up your cross. The reason, you will gain life. And finally, the warning, uh, don't be ashamed. Verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The path that Jesus is set on looks weak. It's a path of suffering and death. And the path that he calls his followers to looks weak as well. It would be very easy to be ashamed of it. In the Jewish and Roman society at the time, the cross was a shameful thing. And people mocked Christians for worshipping a crucified man. How could you worship something so shameful? People today, too, find it bizarre that we would give up so much because of a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. And I think that as society's morals move further and further away from a biblical basis, it will become more shameful to be a Christian. And so we feel that temptation uh, to try and avoid that shame. To listen to the people around us, to ignore Jesus' call to this shameful cross. To focus our efforts elsewhere, on money, on influence, on success. But in reality, the cross is not shameful. In reality, the cross is a glorious victory, far more glorious than uh, the liberation that the disciples had been hoping for, far more glorious than any acclaim the world can give. And when Jesus returns, uh, displaying that glory in full, 
the shame will not be on him or his followers. So if you feel that temptation to keep quiet about your faith, the temptation uh, to follow other things, remember Jesus' warning. Don't be ashamed. What seems shameful now will be revealed to be glorious. The disciples uh, and the crowd, they needed to understand that the necessity of the cross for Jesus means that following him is no victory march. It will be hard. It means taking up their cross, preparing to die if necessary, being willing to give up uh, anything for him, not holding on to anything, but denying themselves. If you're here tonight uh, and you're not following Jesus, then I guess some of this might sound quite scary. Following Jesus is not a light decision, but he wants you to be sure of what you're getting yourself in for. But if you weigh up what Jesus says, that you can gain the whole world but lose your life, yet you lose your life for him and you will save it. If you have made that commitment to follow Jesus, do say completely and unashamedly. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. The path has been tough. You've had to give up lots. Be encouraged that it is worth it. All that shame will turn to glory when Jesus returns. Or maybe you've only recently become a Christian and you're wondering what life has in store for you now. Don't be deceived that it's going to be easy. Make sure that you are uh, willing to give up everything for Jesus. But stand firm, despite what the world says. This is the right choice. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus did not turn from that path of suffering and shame and death. Thank you that you vindicated him in that by raising him from the dead. And thank you that the same is true of us if we follow Jesus. That although we may face many things now, you promise that there will be glory in the future. Help us uh, to follow him wholeheartedly, denying ourselves, taking up our cross. Help us to, to see the things that uh, we need to hold on less tightly so that we can follow Jesus better. And we pray that you would sustain us as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen.